Hello, everybody, and welcome to the bonus episode, a little something, something different here on the Quickie Podcast. Now, some of you may have heard that uh, we've recently launched a new podcast as well called the Print Design Podcast. That is where we interview graphic design experts who have been involved in print for a long time, have lots of experience with it, and we do a deep dive into a project that they were a part of, uh, helping develop it, helping with key decisions along the way on paper selection, finishing selection, the cost sometimes or what it costs to print, quantities of print, what it's used for, the idea behind it, all kinds of things, a deep dive into print. And I thought it'd be great fit to introduce that show to you by just throwing an episode up here. And I selected this one, episode four with Caleb Kozlowski, who is the creative director at Hybrid Design out of San Francisco. Now they are the agency, the creatives behind the Mohawk Maker Quarterly. Now, the Mohawk Maker Quarterly is a beautiful piece put out by Mohawk Paper, and it is like incredibly sought after by designers because these, these uh, quarterly magazines are beautiful. Each of them take a different form. They're showcasing Mohawk's paper. They're showcasing like process-pushing finishing ideas and all sorts of things like that. And in this episode of the Print Design Podcast, me and Caleb really dive into a few issues and and share what's involved with creating something as unique and as sought after as the Mohawk Maker Quarterly. Now, also in this episode, I tell you how you have an opportunity to win a full set of the Mohawk Maker Quarterlies. There's probably maybe like 15 people in the U.S. that have a full set of the Maker Quarterlies. Even Mohawk, the paper company, does not have um, very many copies of, a, of full sets. You know, issues one through five, those really early on issues are incredibly rare to come by now. So um, yeah, if you want to win a full set, listen to this episode, hear how. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. I want to introduce you to the Print Design Podcast. If you like this episode and the, the print talk that we get into, go find the Print Design Podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, and subscribe. Check it out because every week we have a new episode where we're diving deep into a print project and giving the behind-the-scenes decision-making of it. So let's get to it. The Print Design Podcast. This is episode four with Caleb Kozlowski. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Print Design Podcast. Welcome. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I'm super happy to have you here today. And I'm really excited to share this one with you. Before I do, I just wanted to let you know that Print Design Academy is offering a free intro to print training for graphic designers. This is a three-part video series teaching you sort of the first few steps to get started with print design and understanding print design. Head over to printdesignacademy.com and sign up for that. Totally free. I just want you to start printing stuff because it's awesome. So this episode is a little bit different than our usual sort of interviews with a designer, although it's kind of the same, but hear me out. Today's guest is Caleb Kozlowski. He is the creative director at Hybrid Design in San Francisco, and they have a very close relationship with Mohawk Paper. Mohawk is the manufacturer of super premium printing papers, and uh, I love Mohawk stuff. They're swatch books and Everybody knows, all designers and creatives and everybody in the print industry knows all about the Mohawk Maker Quarterly. It's an incredible publication that Mohawk works closely with the hybrid design team on to create these incredible print experiences, not only providing great content for the design and print industry, but also showcasing Mohawk's incredible products and what you can do with them. And as part of the development for this episode, I was actually able to get my hands on a complete set of the Mohawk Maker Quarterlies. That is issue one to issue number 16 now. 
Now, the first five issues or so now are complete collector's items. Like, they are extremely hard to come by. And even Mohawk themselves don't have a whole pile of those samples left. They have very, very few, the whole company. So, I'm going to give this away to somebody. And here's how we're going to do it. Leave me a rating and a review in either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And in, uh, let's just say, three weeks' time... I will completely randomly pick a review and send this person the complete set of Mohawk Maker quarterlies. So again, to enter to win a complete set, issue one to number 16 of Mohawk Maker quarterlies, to have that delivered to your house, leave a rating and a review for the Print Design Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or Spotify, I should say. And I will randomly select one of the reviews and that person will win the complete set of Maker Quarterlies. So in this episode, Caleb and I do a deep dive into the Mohawk Maker Quarterly, what goes into this publication and how print should be viewed as an object. You're not printing something. You're not just taking your file and going to print. You're taking your file and turning it into an object. Now, Caleb does an amazing job explaining really what this means and how to think about it differently than I'm just going to print this or this is going to be printed. All right, well, let's get to it here. Caleb is an awesome guy to talk to. He is loaded with information and I love his perspective on print as an object. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Caleb Kozlowski. Hit the music. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rock their world. From file prep, to holding the finished product in their hand, and all the key decisions in between. So, let's talk ink on paper. Caleb, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. No, I'm super happy to have you here. I think a great way to start would be giving an introduction to yourself, uh, of yourself to the audience here. So tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, um, uh, I'm a creative director at Hybrid Design uh, in San Francisco. Um, You know, I've been at Hybrid for about 15 years. So um, I've kind of seen all the ins and outs of that one particular place. um, I knew knew it was a double digit number because you just kind of went, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, staring up into the sky. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it gives me opportunity to kind of um, work with the studio, help develop the studio. And, you know, over the years kind of develop work to to help define our way of thinking about design. So, you know, it's kind of a unique opportunity to be able to one place that long. Definitely. And how would you describe um, the studio itself? Yeah, uh, you know, we're always, we're interesting. Um, you know, this is something that I think a lot of studios that do a lot of stuff may struggle to articulate. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we call ourselves like proud generalists. We touch a lot of different things. Um, you know, so we don't specialize in digital or print or um, uh, any of those kind of disciplines. Um, we really enjoy kind of jumping into new things. And, you know, um, over the years, it's always this idea of like, okay, what haven't we done? What haven't we done? And like, we just want to dive into the deep end and like, uh, and kind of get our feet wet in something new. And, you know, our thinking really on that is that there's a, there's a big benefit to moving between different disciplines because you bring knowledge from another um, and it allows you to see that other one a little bit differently. Um, so like if you look at our portfolio, it's like, you know, there's uh, content creation, there's environmental um, events, there's digital, there's like, we just kind of do everything. Um, and, you know, the, the, the one thing that I would say binds everything together, um, and this is just in the way that we work, mm-hmm. is that we tend to have longer term relationships 
uh, with clients. So I think there's a real benefit to having that kind of shorthand you get from working with someone over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to like get deeper into a project and try things that take a little time to build up the trust you need to to do that. That's for sure. So after you've built that relationship, you get to definitely have a bit more runway to work with, you could say. Totally, totally. Yeah. And you, you know, you got a shorthand with them, like you kind of already, the, the, the getting to know you part is out of the way, and you can kind of skip past that and like start pushing things. So yeah, and I love that because you know, you just get this multidiscipline approach to things where when you're brought a campaign or a marketing idea or a new product that they want to launch or whatever that might be, you know, you're not going to look at it as solely digital. And if you want somebody else, oh, you're going to have to work with an ad agency for that, or you outsource that you've got it all in house and you can handle and sort of apply the best medium for whatever that project may be. Yeah, exactly. And and we, we try to encourage that, that thinking in our designers too. So we don't have like a designer that does digital on our team or a designer that does an environments on our team. And it's something people ask us a lot because yeah. a, a lot of the way people think is like always looking for the specialist. Um, but uh, we have designers work on different things and it keeps them, you know, one, it keeps them happy because they're not stuck in like one track. Yes. Um, but it keeps keeps their their mind active and their like design muscles active moving between new things like whenever you do something um a little uncomfortable you have to pay more attention and so you 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 get this kind of hyper attention all the time that uh it has good good results very cool now one of the pieces that uh, i know i've been in the industry for print industry sorry specifically for 16 plus years now and one of the pieces that um you know seems to captivate designers and printers alike is the mohawk maker quarterly now i'm led to believe that you've got a serious hand in that <laughs> yes <laughs> i would say perfect and i know that um from chatting a little bit with you print is more than just print and you have a really unique way of looking at it as more of an object and thinking about it a bit differently. And I wanted to hear more about that and dive into that with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is kind of a thinking that's developed over the course of um, of actually working on the Mohawk Maker Quarterly, which we've been doing for, I think, uh, maybe seven years at this point. Um, but, um, you know, over time, I started to have kind of an issue with using print as a way to describe the design work that we do. Mm. Um, you know, I, I started to feel that uh, when, we, when we think of print and print, you know, just think of like what comes to mind when you think of print. You think of a printer, right? Something coming out of a printer. Um, and when you think about what we're actually doing, um, that we're creating a physical object in space, it has weight, it has texture, um, it has an experience you have moving through it. Uh, print doesn't really capture that kind of thinking. Um, and That's so, for sure. Yeah. So when we, we think of with print as a word, um, and, and I think this is especially difficult for, um, for younger designers who have less experience with the medium, mm-hmm. we think of print as a word, our mind just jumps to, okay, it's something that will be printed. Um, I like to think of it more as a kind of object design, um, because when you think of object, uh, there's all these other physical qualities to it um, that you have to think about. Um, and, you know, to some that may sound really kind of obvious, but, uh, you know, I'd suggest that a lot of the tools we have and the language we use doesn't really support that kind of thinking. So, for instance, if you um, open up InDesign, um it encourages you to think in two dimensions, right? It is about layout, right? It's a great tool for layout. Um, you know, how many times has someone forgotten that there's a spine on their book because <laughs> not encouraged in the software to think that way? Or, you know, how how does the software encourage you to think about the texture of what you're holding or the weight of it or the form of it? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really doesn't. Um, you know, you can do all those things. Like, it's a tool if you're already thinking that way, you can you can make it work for you. But uh, the way it's set up is not really to encourage that kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we're in a time where we need to encourage that kind of thinking. Um, because uh, 
print is a really different thing than it used to be. So it used to be the default mode of communication, right? Um, this is like, uh, this is before a lot of people's time and uh, maybe a little bit before my time, if I'm perfectly honest, um, even though I, I feel pretty old, uh, it used to be the way that if you were gonna communicate something, you were printing it, right? You, mm -hmm. you have to, that was like, that was the kind of the way that everyone got information. And then, you know, we had this, you know, the, the internet rose and, um, you know, and all of a sudden the default mode of communication was usurped with, with digital communication. Mm -hmm. And um, and there was this kind of time, and I think probably a very scary time in the print and paper industry of like, oh no, what, what are we for now, now that, you know, digital has taken our place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think I think it's becoming a little more clear that if something is printed, it has to be special. So you're not you're not printing out something that's just for um, simple communication. You're doing it to make it a, a physical experience. It has to mm -hmm. more. Um, and uh, so it's like maybe you do less of something, but it's meant to make an impact or get someone's attention in a special way. And to do that, you need to consider way more than just printing something out. Totally. And that's actually the way that I've described it most often to other designers who are newer to print or don't quite fully understand print. You know, isn't print dying? Like, is it? No, it's not dying. Just like everything, it's evolving to whatever its new purpose and new need is going to be. And you don't see companies spending huge amounts of cash on a boring generic catalog with a picture of all of their products and all of the item numbers. You don't see that happening anymore. You see them converting that kind of piece to digital and then using a really unique experiential piece to direct traffic to there. Yeah, and I think like for designers, that's kind of fantastic, right? Like you know, like it, like it used to be that like, okay, we're definitely printing this thing and now um, we're going to have to like try and sneak and emboss in there or something like that, <laughs> like make it special, like you yeah. trying to like, tack something on at the end. Yeah. And the shift now is that, um, you know, there's an argument to be made that it needs to be special or you shouldn't, you know, like I would say like it, it's got to be special or it should be digital and and then you don't make the print thing. But it also means that the the physical qualities, those attributes like that may be embossing or it may be fluorescent ink or, or it may be edge painting, those need to be elements that are part of the concept of the piece. They're not just add-ons. Um, they're not something you just try to get in there because it'd be cool to have an emboss. We have to think about it in like, in the way that no, this form is essential to getting this idea across. Or this is this is debossed or embossed because it is part of this idea. And then when you get that kind of buy-in, you know, it's not like something to strike off the list at the end because it's more expensive. It's essential to to the piece. It's um, designed with that in mind, and that's something that I tell um, designers as early as possible. And I, I give, well, I have given probably fifteen to twenty class tours. Um, you know, throughout my career, the one thing I say to, to designers is that if you're looking at creating a piece and you want to incorporate a foil or something like that, or a deboss or an emboss, like plan that from the beginning and build that as an essential element in your piece instead of pricing out a generic piece and, oh, look, we're under budget. I guess we can put an emboss in now and try and find a place for it. Design for that. Know that at the beginning. Yeah, and that that brings up another thing. It goes, it goes back to what I was saying about the way of thinking about it. If you're not thinking about that in the early stages, mm -hmm. then it is an add-on. Like you're not building it into your um, the way that you present the work. You know the the way that you make it essential to the idea. And you know the practical side of that is that it takes time to get all of these things going and in there. You know you you got to make dyes. You got to do you got. Sometimes they have to find someone, you know, like with one of the issues of the quarterly, we were trying to, uh, we were trying to edge paint half of the book, which apparently is a really hard thing to do. And so <laughs> no one wanted to do it. So the, you know, the printer had to like really like hunt around to find someone who was game for something like that. So like, 
if you have some cool thing you want to do and you come at it at the last minute, you're not going to get to do it most of the time. It can create some, you know, practical scrambles. Yes. Trying to make things happen. Whereas if it was planned from the beginning and from the start, you got time for everybody to really do their homework. And for you as the designer, if it's something you haven't done before, you can be properly advised on how to, you know, set that up in your file, how to think about it, how to take advantage of it and that sort of thing. So do you feel, Caleb, that basically because of this digital world that designers are going to school in and it's, you know, the digital world, it's a big deal. You, that print production training is just not happening to the degree that it really needs to, to arm designers properly. I I think it's definitely not happening. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of that training traditionally has been on the job. Um, Mm. I think what a lot of designers are finding is that, they're not going to get that training on the job because the the print projects um, are so few and far between. Um, And so that's a real challenge, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you only have a thing here or there, but you want to get deep into making this really special object, Mm -hmm. you haven't been given the opportunities to start to like, to get going and start building that experience with it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's a heavier lift um, to really be thinking about all of these different uh, uh, physical factors early on in the process, um, it's just going to be harder for younger designers. For sure, and if you're if if a lot of the print training is happening on the job, but somebody just wants to pursue the freelance direction, like, what do you what do you do? <laughs> you you got to somehow figure it out on your own. Well, I'll tell you the, 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 the one thing, and this goes back to what I was saying about relationships, um, having a good relationship with a printer mm-hmm. is essential to getting these kinds of projects done. Um, and different printers, you know, not all printers are created equal. No. Um, and, you know, if, if you find a printer that their answer is not, oh, we can't do that. Oh, we can't do that. If their answer is, uh, let me look into it. We'll figure it out. Figure it out. Um, problem solvers who are printers yeah. are so valuable mm-hmm. um, because a lot of printers only want to just like churn the stuff out, right? They're going in volume. They're trying to get it done. You know, they can do a great job, but they don't want to deviate from their like system. Yeah, give me the four over four, the newsletters. Just let me let me go to yeah. town. Yep. Um, but in this kind of new world, where you know, from a designer's perspective. And from the client's perspective, um, it needs to be special. Mm-hmm. It just requires more effort and energy and um, more trying of things. So, you know, I think from a freelancer's perspective, it's it's like figure out what you want to do, mm-hmm. work with the printer to um, to help you do it. If you have a good printer that will will kind of problem solve and work with you, and you know, because there's all kinds of limitations that are real that you run into whenever you want to try something. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it. It happens to us every project. All, there's always some little thing where it's like, well, with this binding technique, you can't do this because it's uh, it's less efficient on here. And if you uh, you know if you if you add you know an extra four pages, uh, you know the efficiency goes down, and you know it's more money. And there's all these kinds of things like that. Yep. Um, and so you need someone who's really going to work through that with you. But printers can be a great resource um, to help you learn more about the things you want to do mm-hmm. um, if you don't have the technical knowledge yet. Definitely. No, I couldn't agree more with that. So with the Maker Quarterly, the team at Hybrid, how do you how do you approach one of those? Where does Can you walk me through like the, the planning, the production? Like every issue seems to be pushing the boundaries a little bit further. Like where do you – give me the process. Give me the insight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can give you um, I can give a couple things there. Um, so the process generally, so we we create this publication totally from scratch. So the first phase is a is a content phase. So what we do is um, in advance we'll we'll go a couple issues out and we'll figure out what we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, what our kind of uh, theme organizing principle of the issue is going to be. Um, and then we when we come to that issue, 
uh, we'll kind of sit down and we'll talk about different ways into that idea. And so normally it's like trying to find as many different ways from the different directions that um, talk about this idea in a, in a, in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, a lot of this is driven by um, what interests us. So, you know, this is like kind of a dream project in that it is for designers and we are designers. So, you know, we're the audience. Um, and, uh, and then what we do from there is that we kind of, we open it up to the whole studio mm-hmm. and, uh, and everyone brings story ideas that come from their little world. So, you know, everyone's got their own little subculture spheres that they're plugged into uh, that they find really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we encourage people to bring things from, from there and always say like, bring the weird stuff, like weird for the better. You know, uh, you know, a lot, most of it doesn't make it in, but a few do. And they're, they're kind of like these great moments. Um, but, and, and this, is, this is partially how we like to think of our studio too, is like a group of individuals that all have unique things to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's in design, but it's, you know, it's more from, from who they are, like very different kinds of people um, mm-hmm. together. Um, and this is one of those places where you see that value. Um, so so we, we gather those stories um, and, uh, and then we start, uh, we start working to like edit and combine and like say, okay, like the, this is interesting, this is very different than this, this is very different than this. Um, and then we go through uh, form exploration. So uh, starting with issue nine, we started reinventing the form every issue. Um, and this really came from, we had done uh, eight issues up to, up to that point, and we were really focusing on like setting up a kind of cultural context and, um, and content foundation as we were kind of building up the publication mm-hmm. uh, from when it was brand new. And we got, to, we got to eight and we're like, okay, we need to do more with this. Um, you know, for, for us and our, and our energy going into it, and also just like, this is an opportunity to, to show what's possible yeah. with, with, with paper. Cause you know, in the end, that's, that's, there are paper samples in the end, mm-hmm. um, paper samples that we want people to really want and, um, you know, not for their sampleness, but for their content and their form and design. And, um, and that, that's the best way to show what's possible with, paper right definitely like how often do you have a customer come to you and say whatever cool thing you want to do do it we'll give you the paper yeah 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 (laughs) um yeah so then we started reinventing the form every time and 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 that's where it got really much more interesting for us because we can go okay this issue is beauty what form would get across the idea of beauty and so we made it a series of posters a big display right so or this is materials. Um, what form gets across materials? Okay, well, we're going to make every article its own little form inside that's made of a different material. Like, and and that's kind of what I'm talking about earlier about using the the form and the techniques to get across the concept. And then, you know, if you bought off on that, you can't change it later. It, you know, then it the whole idea falls apart. Totally. But uh, so we go through this exercise of um, of. Uh, different kinds of forms. And part of it is also like, what have we not done? We're not going to redo, you know, something we did in a, another issue. So, you know, what are the combinations of, of things that, um, that we haven't done that then speak to the, the concept? Um, uh, and then from there, you know, this is always like a whole studio effort. Um, you know, a, a lot of people in the studio work on it and everyone wants to work on it as you might have. Uh, and so from there, you know, different designers will get different articles on the piece generally. Um, and, um, and all the while we're working through um, uh, working with writers to write content. We write some content internally. Um, then it comes to different sourcing imagery or doing illustration. A lot of illustration we do in, um, in-house. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, reaching out to people, you know, you never know who's going to respond. Um, you know, so, some artists like will never respond, and some were surprised. Like, oh, Tom Sachs wants to do something. Like, cool. Um, or Nick Cave wants to do something. Awesome. Uh, so, we're, you know, we're, we also use it as a way of kind of like reaching out into the surrounding communities and kind of making these connections, um, mm-hmm. which uh, is fun for us. 
but then you know then we go through the normal design process um you know we're making dummies uh we are um we are we always do uh uh we almost always do a, a press proof where we're actually a press test so we're really actually putting normally it's to test something unusual so like okay duotones made out of this fluorescent and this fluorescent. We don't know exactly how they're going to interact, so we'll do a, a press test to kind of figure it out and what's the right balance of things. So um, for that press test, you're basically, you know, for example, if it's an eight and a half by eleven, just for numbers, um, you're are you creating like seven or eight variations of that? putting it on that paper and literally printing it on press and seeing which one comes out the way that you envisioned? Sometimes, yeah. It depends on what we're trying to test. Um, And sometimes those variations, sometimes our printer will help with those variations because they're making the separations and and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we have a really good color uh, guy that we work with. uh, with our printer and um, and he's got good advice and stuff. So we're we're very like kind of collaborative in that way. Um, there's a lot of trust between us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's to like kind of you know we've often done like here are three or four different kinds of duotone mixes that we can do. Um, and uh, and it's important. Like you don't realize how important it is until you you see it done and you go, I definitely do, didn't want that. I definitely didn't want. That. <laughs> So that's what it could have come out like if I just kind of like went with it. Um, so um, I think it's 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 really important when you're trying to to push some kind of boundary um, that's beyond just printing something out. So you're over here on the west coast. Um, Mohawk is back east. Are you are you guys using a printer back east? Or are you using a local guy on the west that you can you know go to these press checks and go to these things? We we use a printer in New Jersey. Okay. Uh, so close to Mohawk, uh, far from us. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, amazing. We have the trust level built up that um, <laughs> it's hard to believe, but we don't actually go on those press checks. Um, we, uh, we, have, we work with people there, um, and that's part of the reason we do the press proofs as well. Yep. Uh, so we get a good target, and, um, and they do a great job. Uh, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend that unless you have a really solid relationship and understanding um, an aesthetic understanding with, with uh, your printer, mm-hmm. but uh, it's, uh, it's able to work for us, which is great. That's great. So they're, they're literally like couriering you the press proofs and things like that. Yep. Yes. Yes. Have you ever done any FaceTime press checks? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I wouldn't trust, I would not trust color oh, coming no. FaceTime for a second. <laughs> yeah, when you're looking at uh, color, that is for sure. Don't trust that. Yeah. Perfect. So then, what? Um, so you're not going for press checks or anything like that, but obviously the the proofs are all coming your direction. Yeah. Your team's reviewing. Your team's signing off. Um, what would you say is your favorite issue, and why? Oh, you know, I have trouble with favorites, but I. When people ask me that, I generally go to issue 11, okay. which is the um, uh, the process issue. And I think this is partially one of my favorites because of the, actually the process that we went through to do it. So <laughs> we, we, we really wanted um, – there's a few things about this that I do like. I, I, we really wanted the edge of the book to be super rough, okay. um, have this kind of rough – like unfinished edge. Now, you know, this, this goes back to when you want to do something a little different, like it's not like a straight line to get there. (laughs) Definitely not. Where we kind of ended up landing was the printer was just going to basically damage the blade that was used to trim the books. And so they sent us like, um, uh, tests basically was like, okay, we've damaged the blade. And we're like, damage it more. And I (laughs) Three, three, three times we went back and we were like, damage it more, damage it more. Um, and so, and that's what the, the end, end result was. I don't know if they took a hammer to it or, or what. Um, but, you know, that's kind of like an example of like having a great printer that you can work with that's going to like troubleshoot these things for you. <laughs> that's going to smash equipment to give you the design result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a fun part of it. And then, um, you know, also the, the Smithstone binding was fun because... You know, whenever we're doing something, we'll kind of ask what the limits are of it. Mm-hmm. So we're like, 
how many thread colors can we have in here? And they're like, oh, every one can be different. Like, oh, okay. You should have uh, said that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like you take these things where, where you kind of like, you have this kind of um, expectation that because of what you've seen a lot of times that things can be only done this way, mm-hmm. one way. Or it's like, okay, what is your thread color going to be? Like, they never w- would have asked us, how many different thread colors do you want in here? You know, but we we asked and we figured out we could do more than one and then it like opens up a different way of thinking about it for us. So, um, yeah, th- those were good. Just like pushing the boundaries of of uh, of the uh, of the processes. And, and then the last thing about that that was really fun was we included process notes to the whole thing. So there's this extra layer where we were like, OK, we're describing what it's like working on this while we're working on it and then in- integrating into it. So just content-wise, that was like that was a nice little diversion uh, to include, you know, for the process issue, obviously. Definitely. So, which issue do you feel um, was the most challenging? <laughs> I want to say, oh. and this could be this could be from the content angle. This could be from the production angle. You know, which one sticks out to you and goes, "Oh, that issue twelve was a doozy." Yeah. Um, yeah, they're all always challenging. I would say, I would say that um, which issues I fifteen. Uh, so two issues ago was super challenging because it was full. This is the one I mentioned that's full of every article as its own piece inside this mm-hmm. container. Um, that required working with multiple printers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and making everything being different is just so much harder than like a book. <laughs> Definitely. You know, it, it's just uh, it was just a lot of balls in the air, um, a lot of balls in the air. And after after that one, we're like, we're not doing anything like this for a while. <laughs> Back to book form. Back to book yeah, form. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is that on the other side of that, uh, the one previous to that was super challenging in the opposite way. That was the one that we did this, this kind of thick book that was like half edge painted, but there were so many pages in that, that we had all this content to make. So we, we had heavy amounts of content to have to create. Um, and, uh, that was just hard from that perspective. So it's like, we always make it hard on ourselves. Um, (laughs) there's always this kind of like joke we have with our printer, like, that we're always asking for something unreasonable or, you know, or it's never easy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our reputation with them. And we'd never make it easy on ourselves either, but, but <laughs> it translates I, to. You shouldn't. If, if it's easy, it's like, okay, well then it's just another project. So I, there's probably some variance in this answer. Um, but how long from that first idea meeting to finished product in your hand? Like, what's that time frame like? I want to say, and I, I'd need a project manager on the call to really give a correct answer there, but yeah. I want to say it's only about a three-month process. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah. that honestly doesn't seem overly long from you know having to generate content. So I did an interview with... Um, Ken Barber in episode 207 of the Quickie podcast from House Industries. And one of the stories that he told was that um, he they had tried creating a publication as, as something for um, their, their uh, marketing, essentially, and quickly discovered it was a lot harder than anticipated. And it just what went into it from the content generation side and all of that. Like, there's a reason there's full on like teams for this kind of thing. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's you know we we dove into content creation kind of from nothing um, back in the beginning of of the quarterly. You know, the quarterly was an idea that we pitched to Mohawk basically. Really? So. Cool. Yeah, it's not a. Um, it was not a. It was not the brief. Um, the brief was for something else. <laughs> okay, so Mohawk wasn't a client at this point, and they came to you with a brief. 
and you went back to the team and then came back to them with something a little bit different than what they were expecting. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, they, they came to us for um, a super fine promotion. Okay. Uh, and uh, in the in the process of that, this was we had never worked with them before, uh, and um, but we were excited to, and we we kind of came back with a point of view on what was kind of going on in print, um, what was going on in the in their world, how that related to culture, uh, and we basically said that like there you have this. Um, history of being this fine paper company, paying attention to these details, um, making these very tactile things. Um, there is a whole cultural movement that cares about the details and things. You know, this was seven years ago. Um, and at the kind of earlier days of like, people thinking of things, what is the craft version of things? And, um, you know, everyone wanted to uh, quit their jobs and become woodworkers and, you know, <laughs> Uh, and you know, I think a lot of that is 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 less of a, a kind of big thing and more kind of baked into the way we think about culture now. But it was a little newer at the time, and uh, and we're like, you could fit into this world. You have all the things to kind of position yourself alongside of all of these interesting things that are happening. Mm -hmm. uh, you need a way to do that, um, and it's not a super fine promotion. Um, and, you know, we, we were, we were definitely, you know, trying to look at a paper promotion in a new way. Um, you know, our feeling was that the traditional way that paper promotions were created, which was, you know, often, uh, you pick like, uh, a thing that's going to have beautiful photos in it. And, you know, you, you print the photos to get your, your tests and, um, and, but it doesn't have a content aspect that makes you really want it. It still lives as like a test. Yeah. And it um, just basically is there to show designers and creatives or whatever your target audience is. Look how nice pictures can look on this product. Right. Right. And we felt like that wasn't enough anymore. Mm -hmm. um, that, that designers needed, they, they wanted more content. They wanted more cultural context. Um, you know, we needed to fit, Mohawk into culture appropriately, and and you know you know like I said they they were already there like they they had all the parts um, they just needed to be um, reminded of that and uh, and kind of learn to talk about it that way um, and 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 they agreed um, and so you know I think we had we had done one one kind of we did some brand work with them after that um, just in terms of. Uh, talking about positioning and then the the quarterly was was birthed from there um and uh yeah and it was you know it was different for them at first uh and it you know it but they stuck with it and um it evolved and you know ended up getting a, a you know a following for them after that yeah it's become like a designer and industry staple essentially is what that's become it's nice. It's it's cool that people like it. You know, you always like to make things that people want. Definitely. Um, so, Caleb, I want to ask you this too. Then, in this, you know, you're involved in the print industry from this Mohawk Quarterly. You sort of have some intimate knowledge and insider look on papers and and the print world and what's possible there. Um, where should or how should printers be positioning themselves right now in this world? Because what I've I'll share with you my sort of thoughts and observations with the print industry is that um, it sort of hasn't really evolved much from a, a brand and excitement standpoint in 40 plus years. Mm -hmm. it, it seems very dated, very stale, and nobody has broken free and been like that fresh, hip, young, you know, printer. Like, how should we be viewing the world? What should printers be doing? Yeah, I, I have several thoughts on that. Um, one is the one I mentioned earlier, printers need to be problem solvers. Mm -hmm. Like they need to be people coming to the table with um, ideas to uh, to make happen what their clients want to have happen. Mm -hmm. So um, they need to be flexible and they need to be um, willing to try new things. Mm -hmm. so, so, th so that's one. 
Um, I think printers also need to understand what designers care about. Mm-hmm. They don't care about, well, first of all, they will not pay any attention to anything that isn't good design. So, uh, <laughs> so many print promotions for printers that I don't care how many techniques you got on that thing, designers are going to throw it in the trash if um, it doesn't look cool, yeah. at least look cool. You know, um, so, so I think that's really important. And I think that's hard for a lot of printers because they don't maybe have access to that level of design. Um, but I would say it's really important in the way that, um, that you present yourself. Um, you know, beyond that, let's see. Um, I think, what was the other question you had um, about about printers? I thought I had one thing, but... Yeah, I just what should printers be doing to to really get designers' attention and, you know, not even location-dependent? Like, how can, uh, you know, for lack of a better name, how can Vistaprint be cool to designers? Yeah, <laughs> you got to do cool work. That's really it. I mean, mm. and and you got to have an eye for for that work. Um, the the things you show give context to who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and if everything that you're you're showing, you want to be aspirational for the designers. Yes, like, you want you want them to want to do the kind of work that you're showing. And um, that can be really difficult uh, if you don't have that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can um, you can try to get that work. Or you know, I think there's a lot of if if you were trying to build that kind of work to get designers excited, I would say do some do some projects with some great designers that they all every every designer has something on their back burner that like they would love to do mm-hmm. that they don't have to print you know if, if printers were serious about building a portfolio to get designers excited go work with some designers give them some credit to, to make something um find passion projects that get them excited work with them to develop it um, and, uh, and then you can start to build that. Um, but I think the mentality, uh, the mentality of, you know, was it grip, rip and run, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, it can't be a bottom line mentality. Mm-hmm. If you, if you only have a bottom line mentality, um, then, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to get that work and you're not also going to be able to offer the, the kind of service that a, a, a designer really needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it gets to be the kind of estimate process, like of like, if you're just trying to get it as low as possible, um, you know, that's not going to build a relationship. You have to offer more value than that. And yeah. that's in the thing that's in the um, suggestions that's um, that's in like, uh, you know, being good and with things like color and, um, you know, helping everything get to the finish line in a really great way. Yeah. When you have that, then like, even if another printer has a lower estimate, you know, the designer knows from that relationship that they're not going to get all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think, I think those things are definitely important. Awesome. Um, and the last question I want to, to get into here is what, what sort of parting notes um, or advice would you give a designer who is looking at really wanting to get started in print? Like they either have just graduated and they want to get into the print world. Where should they start? Um, I think starting by really kind of breaking down what makes a printed object and uh, understanding like, like, like studying the things that you have around, the things that get you excited. So, you know, one, collect printed things. Collect as many as you can, um, you know, for all different kinds of reasons for, because you like the form of it or or you haven't seen anything that has thermography on it. It's an example of thermography or um, 
whatever, even even if beautiful design that's in print, you know, um, and and start studying those details. Like, how is it? How is it bound? Um, why is this? This is glossy, but this is matte. Um, you know, really getting to like understand all the variances you can have in a physical object, um, and then use those as like. So think about as you're designing okay, I have all these options. Like, it's not just what paper it's going to be on, although that's important. Um, you should have all the swatch books for, uh, um, for all the papers to kind of use that in your design process. But mm. beyond that, it's like, okay, paper is a variable. I need to know what kind of papers I can work with. Uh, binding's a variable. Uh, you know, there's a variable of how things are printed. The digital, is it offset? Is it have fluorescence? Like keep those variables in mind and then like think about what you're trying to accomplish, what your idea is, what your concept is. How can you connect that concept to physical traits? How can an open, you know, smystone binding talk to uh, things that are in process? Or, you know, how can uh, a fluorescent ink talk to something that is, you know, energetic? Like, uh, find those connections to your ideas, um, build them into the very first presentation you give. Like those should be part of the idea of what this object is. Um, and then if you, if you can land that, then, you know, you're more likely to hang on to these things, uh, as you go through the process. Definitely. I love how you mentioned you're finding things that really emphasize and align with themes or ideas within the piece. Like you were saying with fluorescent ink, like a bright fluorescent, you know, you're trying to instill energy into what that content says. Okay, we'll do it with fluorescent because it just emphasizes that, you know, knowing what those print techniques are so that you can really weave them into that piece at the early stages. Love that. Great. Awesome. Caleb. I'm going to uh, I'm going to try to be cognizant of your time here, so I'm going to let you uh, run for the day. But I first just wanted to say thank you so much for being the get my guest on the Print Design Podcast here and for sharing this uh, information with us and in, in a little behind the scenes of what goes into these maker quarterlies as well. That's great. I love talking about this stuff. All right, all right. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want a chance to win. Issues 1 to 16, a complete set of Mohawk Maker Quarterlies, and have that sent to your door. Just leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and I will completely randomly select somebody out of those reviews and send them this complete set of Maker Quarterlies. I'm also going to post an image on uh, Instagram soon about it, and uh, wow, they are amazing. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you later.